Real Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. So, Paul, we got a very good question about aging wines from an astute listener that we're going to answer in completeness and fullness today. I am astonished that we would have astute listeners, Rick. Um, Why would they listen to us? It's a mystery. Total mystery. Uh, You know what else is a mystery? Yes, knowing how long a wine will age. Exactly. See, I got that right. Yep, you did. Congratulations. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about what... What we do know about aging wine, okay. and plus with summer wine tasting season coming, listeners ask about what to wear when they go wine tasting, whether wineries will let you bring food, and what uh-huh, regions uh-huh. won't be so crowded. Good. Our horrible wine writing is focused and useless. <laughs> and as <laughs> usual, Paul, we're going to be making fun of wine snobs. Excellent. A couple of reminders yet again. We are still here at Capital Public Radio's podcast lineup, those lovely, lovely people. You should, they should know better, Paul. They, well, the, you know, recommended podcast. Recommended. Right next to big names. Yeah, yeah. Well, their names sometimes are short, but they're important. <laughs> um, so thank you, Capital Public Radio. We are also on Napa Broadcasting. Yes, uh, out of com- Napa Valley College, an institution of higher learning. And yet. And, and yet. yet. Yeah, and right. All right. Oh, well. So we're going to start with a question we got from Denise in San Leandro. Uh-huh. She uh-huh. asked about aging wine. So let me read what she said. She says, how can you tell how long a wine can age? What makes it age well? And what happens to it? Um, and re- I see reviewers predicting a wine will be best in like eight, 16.87 years. Do they really know? <laughs> no. No. No, no they answer. do not know. And there goes our spoiler. But uh, of course they don't. Um, yeah. And those guys, uh, you know, those guys that say drink this between 2020 and 2033 are faking it. It's well, a bluff. First of all, it's a, it's a bluff for two reasons, Rick. One of them is that nobody is exactly sure how wine is going right. to age. Because nobody's exactly sure how wine is being stored. And wine storage, if the wine gets warm, it ages more quickly than if it stays cold. So, yeah. Different bottle to bottle. But the other thing is that when a wine is at its peak, so-called, depends completely and entirely upon who's drinking it. Exactly right. And so, for example, the English are famous for liking their champagne well-aged, and the French prefer it rather young. So when is it at its peak? Well, it depends on whether you're an Englishman or Frenchman. Rick, which are you? I am. I am. A, a, um, I'm, sure, I'm more like. East, I'm, I'm really Eastern European, mostly. Yeah. So I, I, we we drink our we drink our stuff with beets. Whenever beet juice. <laughs> um, so the uh, the other thought thing I always like about them is like it's always some odd number, right? You know, it's not just not five to ten years. Yeah, no, it's, it's always like, nine to thirteen years. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, and plus, yeah. well, that know, makes you sound smart. Yeah, and plus, they they also get the the benefit of nobody's going to remember. Nobody's going to remember. Ten years. That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right. So let's go through a few of the basics. Good. The first thing that most people really should understand, which is that the vast majority of wines they buy are ready to drink. Are ready to drink, not only ready to drink, but designed by the winery and the winemaker to be consumed when they are released. Right. So aging them is not going to make them better. And in the opinion of the winemaker, it's going to make them worse, not better. Just drink them. Right. So um, and we should also say, so when a wine does age, and we're going to talk about why, but when a wine does age... Often it's a surprise to people what happens. A lot of folks tend to assume that it's like cooking a sauce longer right. and longer and that yeah. flavors get more intense. Not always. In fact, more n- delicate. Yes, exactly the opposite. So, right. so, in fact, here's what happens. The primary fruit grape flavors tend to die back a little bit. So if you're a person who likes big, rich, fruity wines, 
aging those wines will not make them better. It will make them less fruity. On the other hand, the tannin and acidity, the sharp edges of a wine, tend to disappear a little bit over time. And then the third thing is, like a sauce, the elements blend together. You get a little more balance and a little more, let's call it complexity, as the wine ages. To to a point. Uh, But yes, it's still on the good side. If you like that less fruity but more complex uh, style of wine, then by all means age some wines. But make sure to begin with that they're wines that were designed to be aged because wines that are made to drink now as they get older, the fruit dies back and there's really not much else there and they just taste kind of tired and old. Yeah, and even if they're not tired and old and but you have lost some fruit, then you're sort of tasting, you know, sweet flavor, sweet-ish-like flavors, not sweetness, right. but, you know, right. leather and earth. Well, and a, a good example, for example, in a white wine is when you when you eat that apple when it's first cut open, it tastes fresh and lively, but leave it sitting on the counter for a day and then go back and eat it, and that's exactly what happens with wine. It turns a little browner. Paul, you lose you, a little you of the freshness. A, a sliced apple on the counter a I'm day just, later? I'm using it as an example, okay, right? Okay, because... That might explain that. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, so, and so, if you're wondering about which wines you have that might age, yes. we'll, we'll talk about some in particular. But there are a couple of forces at work, a couple of things that that help preserve a wine. Right. Um, and one of them, for, surprisingly, for lots of folks, is sugar. So, wine that's yes. sweet, so like sweet whites, yeah, those often can age. Yes. But the sweeter whites that can age often also need our friend acid. Yes, because acidity is like lemon juice on that. Remember that apple that I left on the counter? Yeah. Squeeze a little lemon juice on that apple, and it, the the brown character goes away, and the apple stays fresh and lively. Acidity in wine keeps the wine fresh as it ages. So num- my number one criteria for a wine that will age well is it has to have enough acidity to be balanced as it ages. Yeah, and I'm going to bring up my standard uh, example of acidity. You know, we, we don't, we're not saying a wine that's sour, but, right. you know, and all wine has acid in it. And uh, say it again, my example is orange juice. You don't really think of orange juice as having acid in it unless you brush your teeth beforehand. Right. And now, you know, boom, well, there's a punch. <laughs> what it right. does is it, it sort of frames the flavor, as you were saying before. And tannins yeah. are the other thing. And that's really yep. a feeling. Yep. But tannins also help the wine age. Age, but they yep. also all blend a bit as the, as they start to age. Yep. So, um, and there are a handful of, of of grapes that tend to age better than others, um, mm-hmm. and yeah. and they tend to be your bigger, more robust reds. Right. And they tend like to be Cabernet Sauvignon. Right. Cabernet yeah. Sauvignon. Right. Yeah. Any of those big dark reds, sort of, or the whites that have high acidity and a little bit of sugar in them, like old Rieslings are great. I love old Rieslings. And and no winemaker likes to say that his wine won't age at all. But unless a winemaker is really making a claim to say, you like this wine now, but we think it'll be best in five to ten years, then you know he's making the style of wine that's going to age. Other than that, most wine in America today is made to be drunk within six months to a year of when it was put on the market, and that's what you should do. Right. And the vast majority of wine in America is aged. The aging process is um, the drive home from the store. Right. 24 hours. Less than 24 hours. Yes. Um, Yes. if you are going to uh, age wine, there's just a couple of really basics to know, too, which is to keep it cool and cool, steady. Cool, dark, and quiet. Cool, dark, and quiet. Cool, dark, and quiet. I've been called that. No, you haven't been called cool. You haven't been called dark, and you're not quiet. 
Yeah, come to think of it, you're right. None of those things apply. <laughs> if your wine was short, however, it would totally fit <laughs> It me. would be right. Yes. If it was short, bald, and mouthy, that's how you saw it. So, <laughs> um, so it's— Excellent. So, but the, the cool, and the cool, what's really sort of important is, is a steady cool. It doesn't, yeah. the, the temperature yeah, matters yeah. a little less than yeah. the actual, yeah. you know, do you want that's it over right. 70 for sure? And if it's in the low, low to mid 50s, that's awesome. Yeah. But— um, Nice, steady, cool, dark— yeah. Right. It could be a closet. Yeah. You know, wine yeah. refrigerators are great. Not yeah. above the fridge Not in the kitchen. Not above the oven in the kitchen. Yep. Right. Yep. 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 Um, Good. All right. Well, you know what's getting old, Paul? Uh, you and me. Yep. So before we, <laughs> while we still have a little bit of zest left, let's take a couple of questions. Cool. So you're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, as you probably know, and thank you for that. It is time to take some questions. And if you'd like to ask us a question, you go to rickandpaulwine.com. That is the place. Uh, and we're also on iTunes. If you're at the website, you can find us there. We are everywhere. Yeah. So this is from Kelly in Tenafly, New Jersey. I'm glad you know how to pronounce Tenafly. Yeah, actually, I, I, uh, a friend, I was back in Tenafly, New Jersey years ago for a wedding. It's a lovely place, by the way. Cool. In in Bergen County, which is the, the, one of the more rural and and nicer counties there. Uh, she says, we're going to visit California wine country for the first time this summer. Yep. This may sound like a dumb question, but we're going to nap in Sonoma and we're wondering if you have any suggestions on how we should dress. One reason I'm asking is because if we don't give him specific instructions, my husband will wear crappy shorts and flip-flops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to meet her husband yes. anyway. That's good. Yes. So a uh, couple of suggestions right off the bat, Rick. First of all, uh, it can be hot in California in the summertime. Yes. In fact, it's almost always in the daytime quite hot, yeah. which would lead you to think that shorts and a T-shirt would be really comfortable until you realize that most wineries are kept at about 55 Remember degrees. we were just saying about aging wine? Yeah. Yep. So once you walk in the door, all of a sudden you're looking for a jacket. So uh, short pants, not a great idea. Uh, I Layers, absolutely. Bring along a light sweater or something because if you're in a tasting room and it's cool or they offer to take you into the cellar, it's going to be chilly. Yes, and the cellar is going to be 58 degrees or less. And yes. it's going to be chilly in there, and you're going to be looking for something to wrap your wrap your, around your shoulders there. Yeah, and uh, I would say though, don't worry, don't don't make a you know, don't worry about how dressy or undressy. That's you know, Napa has its places that can be kind of people dress fancy. Nobody wears a tie, but nobody wears a tie ever. Lots of people do wear shorts. Um, it's pretty cash. It's pretty casual, and a sports jacket is probably too much too to much. stop into most. I, I would say it's it's too much in, yeah. in the U.S. In, in in Bordeaux, of course, you have to wear. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a whole different world. Yeah. Um, the other yeah. thing to think about too is that you're probably going to do a lot of walking. You're probably going to tour. You might go out in the vineyards. So you know, if don't if you are thinking about going on a tour for for women, is yes. don't maybe the spiked heels aren't the aren't no, the no, thing. No, no, no. You want comfy shoes because yep, you're going to be in a tasting room. Chances are you're going to be standing in one place for 45 minutes yep. or so while you're tasting yes. wine. And speaking of tasting, Rick, how's your spitting coming along? <clears throat> well, you know, I'm uh, I've managed to miss my shoes now and then. Okay, good. So, yeah, which because is, that of course is the other thing. Yep. When you're tasting Tasting wine, uh, spe- 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 easy for you to say, specifically, uh, if you're spitting or you're standing next to Rick, you'll want to wear some darker colors yes. because not all the wine makes it, it into is, the spittoon. I'll tell you. It's, and, and just, or you might spill. 
or yeah, something. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, this is yeah. going to be a lot of wine support. You're going to be drinking and, a lot of wine that has color in it. And as your mom and dad said when you started driving when you were 16, honey, I trust you completely. I just don't trust those other people. Even if you're a very meticulous wine tasting, the chance of somebody behind you getting his elbow bumped and knocking wine all over you. Sooner or later, if you taste wine for a week, that's going to happen somewhere. Maybe my, not to you, but somebody. My mom and dad said, we don't trust you one bit. <laughs> we trust those other people more. That's right. Yeah, so we're hope, that's we're right. hoping they can keep an eye out for you. <laughs> um, so, our next one is from David and Davis. So but, I hope that answers the question. No flip-flops. No flip-flops. Yeah, no flip-flops, flip-flops are a bad idea for a couple of reasons. And and, and you are actually, if, if you're going to go inside a winery, yeah. these are working places. Yeah. There's this is big stuff floating around. And bottling lines there yep. theoretically could be broken glass and other yep. things. Just wear a decent pair of shoes. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And particularly, they might want to take you out into the vineyard a little bit, walking around in the dirt clods. Flip-flop's yep. not a good idea. And it is fun going out in the vineyards, by the way. So, yep. um, uh, All right. This is next one is from David and Davis. He says, my girlfriend and I have been getting into wine, so we've been listening to you guys. Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't think I like David. Despite that, we're still getting into wine. <laughs> <laughs> good for you, David. You guys talk a lot about eating when you go wine tasting, so we're wondering if wineries, wineries let you bring in your own food. What a great question. Yep. Because they really should and they never do. Yeah. Well, it depends on the place. Some places more than others. They might let you bring in crackers, but if you walk in with the full picnic lunch— uh, and you walk up to the tasting bar and you unwrap your picnic lunch, that's not going to happen. Some wineries provide tasting crackers or <laughs> right. some of them, I know Robert Sinsky over in, in Napa uh, offers a little little tidbits that are paired up with each one of the wines so that you get a sense of that. Well, um, let's divide uh, um, divide regions, though, because Napa, Sonoma, the sort of Paso Robles, too, the sort of more popular, slightly more expensive regions. Uh, and they also some of them have permit issues. Napa, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah and yeah. so that, that you can't bring in food. Right. Um, and they but, can't serve you food. But there are lots of places, especially the smaller wine regions, where if you buy a bottle of wine, they'll love to have you have, bring your own food in. Right. Now, that's a picnic. But what I'm, I'm thinking, David, is just talking about walking into the tasting room. And oh, well, no, yeah, that's not going to happen. The way yes. my students sometimes do in class, I say, you know, next week we're going to be tasting this set of wines, and if you want to bring a certain kind of cheese to go with the wines, well, that they probably don't let you do, although some wineries do offer little snacks to go with the wines. Yeah, so so let's be clear here, David, depending on what, what question you're asking. Certainly, uh, for bringing it in as you taste, the answer is going to be no. Probably not. Yeah, probably not, no matter where you go. But um, if many, and especially as you get out of the, the last less heavily populated or regulated regions. And Napa certainly is ground zero for the regulated. And Sonoma's yeah. got its issues in lots of places. It's just because there's lots of them. Um, that there are places that you can bring a picket lunch. But you will almost always need to buy. I can't imagine a place where you can't, where they will let you sit down and not have to at least buy a bottle of wine. Right. And, but and, you're in wine country. That's why you're having lunch. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because, of course, there's a wonderful old French saying that if you're in the wine business, you should, you should buy on apples but sell on cheese. And it always amazes me that wineries would sell more wine if they served a little cheese with it. Because cheese makes wine yes. taste better. Yes. What, what they mean by that, to put that in in perspective, is you should buy your when you're buying wine, 
you should have it with apples because it's the pairing is not going to be great. It shows so every flaw. It shows in the every wine. flaw on the wine. And but but if you want somebody to buy your wine, sell your wine to them, serve it with cheese. With cheese everything cheese sounds tastes hides awesome. Everything. Cheese does go with everything. We had a question yep. not so long ago about cheese pairings, and didn't somebody say shouldn't they say just have it with cheese? Have it with cheese. <laughs> go <laughs> cheese. Totally Absolutely. True. Well, speaking of cheesy, <laughs> <clears throat> good transition. We, we have some cheesy wine writing coming right up with our horrible wine writing. All right, so we have uh, some really, really bad wine ready for you today. Okay, let me start here. The name removed so we don't get sued winery has received rave reviews for their wines ever since they were established in 2014. (laughs) Exhibiting poise, dexterity, and focus, this vintage is an opulent celebration of Australian Shiraz with copious lingering fruit. So... We know exactly how that wine tastes then, don't we? Well, I'm thinking that with poised dexterity and focus, this person should be playing basketball. Yes, yes. It's uh, a model. I think this wine is a model. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it could be. But I love that ever since they were established in 2014. right. So they're all of four years old. Yes. If we give them credit for this vintage already. Yes. But they've been getting rave reviews. Uh, All right. So mine is also a braggadocious one, and it's really long, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. But in in all this long wine, there's still nothing that actually helps you understand whether you want to buy it. Let me just give you a couple of pieces of it. Winemaker name removed so we don't get sued has won the champion red wine trophy in the International Wine Challenge twice. Do you know what that is, Paul? Yeah. Okay. Is, yeah. it, is it anything? Yeah, it's a big deal. Okay. Uh, he uncompromisingly executes the house's vision, that's the winery's vision, of authentic wines in which human intervention is kept to a bare, discreet minimum. Utilizing native yeasts, and pay attention here now, folks, never more than 30% new for oak, his wines are concentrated, well-rounded, and naturally expressive of their tour. Okay. And he goes on to talk about where it's from, blah, blah, blah. And then we get this long description of uh, how the wine was made. Right. Including things like distemponite crush, gravity-fed, macerated a little. Blah, Environmentally blah, 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 blah. pest management. Yes. Yeah, maceration yeah. lasted a total of 24 days, including one week of cold maceration for men. Yep. Yep. Who cares? All right. But this is the part that I like. The wine aged on lees for 16 months with no racking, using a proportion of 40% new French oak. Wait. It just said earlier that he doesn't use ever more than 30%. So this guy must not be good with math. He thinks 40 (laughs) is less than 30. 40 is less than 30. Yes. No wonder his wines taste good. Yes. Uh, And uh, and, uh, here's the only description, uh, but this is the part I like. The wine spectator scored this 92 points, best from 2020 through 2033. Well, yeah, and so there is not, in fact— a single tasting note right. on the wine. Right. All you are told is how it's made, nothing about what it tastes like. This is a Pinot Noir, by the way. Yeah, I get, guess that part. And uh, and so to, to, this, it's going to age for a while, according to them. Okay. Uh, which, uh, this is completely— The only tasting note is a very delicate touch of oak to the wine. Yep. Unless he's talking about generally his wines are concentrated, well-rounded. But I don't trust it for a bit because his math is bad. I also like that he says they were in oak barrels that had been toasted at low temperatures for a long time. That's sort of counterproductive. <laughs> how do you toast, toast something, something at a low temperature? Yes. That's yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. I think, you that's just called, leave, I think that's called leaving it alone. You just leave it out on your counter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and watch nothing happen. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, continuing our uh, tra- tradition of nothing happening, we're going back to some questions. <laughs> Good. All right. This is from uh, 
Daniela. 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 That's I'm sure how she pronounces it. Yeah. Daniela in Sacramento. So this is back to some wine tasting question. This is a good question, too. What Northern California places won't be so crowded to go wine tasting this summer? Last August, we were in Napa, which was great until about 2 p.m. everywhere, which okay. is pretty good. So Daniela has already hit upon the first secret to wine tasting. Go early. Go early. Yep. Yeah. And the second secret is go during the week. Well, there's that, too. So right off the bat, if you go during the week and you go early— you're not going to have the same kind of crowds. Then she wants to know where could she go where it would. I know. I know. Okay, you say. I know because uh, I know this to be very, very – and it's actually an issue for these folks, which is the California foothills. Yep. They are – you know, for some reason, people don't think of wine tasting up there during the summer. They do in the fall. Yep. Um, But, boy, the counties up here, El Dorado, Amador, you know, uh, go up a little farther north, Nevada County, Placer County, down south. uh, Calaveras. Calaveras. Some great wines, some great. Calaveras has the Murphy's, which is this, the town, and that does get busy. Yeah. Um, but yeah. if you walk in the tasting rooms in the summer in the in the in the Sierra foothills, they'll hug you. I have an I have another suggestion, which is even if you want to go to Napa, you know the the challenge for most people is they see that there are a certain number of wineries that are open to the public, and then the rest are open by appointment yeah. only. Yeah. Right. Right. And all you have to do is call them. Yep. And tell them. When can I come when it won't be crowded? They'll tell you. <clears throat> but you can you can visit wineries. Anything that's not on the main drag, anything that's not open all the time to the public will have fewer people. And if you call ahead and make a few reservations, folks will be very, very friendly. Yeah, and, and the actually one of the secrets to Napa, and it's a little bit true of Sonoma too, although Sonoma's slightly uh, configured a little different. Um, and if I think about this with Paso, it sort of works this way too, is so with Napa, if you start in the north, start at the top and work and your down. way south, <clears throat> yep. because everybody's coming up from the Bay Area or from right. Sacramento, they're coming into yep. the south. Yep. In places like Paso Robles, if you're in southern, is that everybody starts, you know, in close to the Highway 101, yeah. and they go west or yeah, east. Yeah. So yeah. go to the edges and, and then work head your way towards in the middle. Yep. Great idea. Yep. 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 Okay. This one is from uh, hey, Rick. I just want to point out we actually had a good answer to that question. We, Dylan, would you write that down, please? Rick and Paul had a real answer. It's this is this is a monumental show. We, we deserve a gold star. Um, That's right. All right. Uh, this is from Caesar in West Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good question too. Is it okay to use foil cutters to open a bottle? A friend who's a bit on the snooty side told me it was a mistake when I used mine. I know why. Because his friend was snooty? No, because the foil cutters that they sell you with the little cork pullers, in general, they cut the foil at the top of the bottle rather than below that first lip. And technically, if you're an official sommelier, you're yes. supposed to cut oh, it below the lip. Oh, can't do that. Yeah. So that's why he says you shouldn't use those. Now, you know what? If you're going to open the bottle, I know lots of people, the way they open the bottle, Rick, I've seen you do this. Just pull the capsule right off the oh, yeah. bottle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So not even worry about the easy, it. It actually is an easy way to get that thing open, especially if you're having a bottle of wine in your house and you don't want to mess. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing, too, is, yeah. is, is, is to slice up that cap. You know, just slice up the capsule. The whole side comes of the capsule. comes really super easy. Right. The, the, um, now, the, the other the side cutters, of that is it isn't a good idea to try, the, to, try to gnaw the cork out with your teeth. That You really want to use a cork puller for that. Oh. I know, Rick. We that have explains some, that we have some right molar that you. was really sore. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm going to remember that. Um, but yeah. the, but the um, and 
The argument against the foil cutters is that one of the things that happens is you don't want any foil left around the rim. It, you know, well, the wine drip spill a little, a little more bit. if you right. cut them there. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's it depends, and and frankly, in many many cases, you, let's not stand on ceremony. Get that puppy open and That's drink right. it. Whatever Besides, works. By the time you're on your second yes. bottle, you're going to be lying sometimes, down. Sometimes, sometimes I ceremony. just whack it on the table and, <laughs> and just hope the shards of glass don't come out. That's right. But Caesar, don't let your friend bully you on that one. Um, okay. Well, we've we've sort of answered two questions today. This is like a red letter day. This is a red letter so day. So I think we should get out of this show before we have, we <laughs> quick before, before we, we do screw anything something stupid. Up. All right. So that is another round of ball talk with Rick and Paul. Our producer is Matt Bassine. Thank you again, Matt. Our associate producer is Jeremy Marin. Thank you to Capital Public Radio for letting us use their studios and for putting us on their podcast lineup. And don't forget, go to rickandpaulwine.com to ask us a question. And if you learned anything today, we hope it's that old is beautiful, if you're Paul. With wines, it's really across the board. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. Remember, the best wines are the ones you drink with friends. Or with us. Especially us. Thank you.